You are now listening to the Peach Pundit Podcast, where we are expressing our own personal opinions. These views may not reflect the opinions of those whom we may be professionally affiliated. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special edition of the Peach Pundit Podcast. My name is Scott Turner. I'm the editor-in-chief and publisher of Peach Pundit, and we are joined today by two very special guests and our host, Buzz Brockway, of course. But we have two of the candidates who are running for Georgia Republican chair, who will, one of these people are likely to be elected at the Georgia Republican Party Convention in Columbus this June. And we want to thank Rebecca Yardley and Josh McCoon for being with us this evening. With that, we will go ahead and begin. For our audience, our questions have been curated by Buzz and myself. As you'll notice, Jason Pye is not with us. Jason, not being an actual Republican, decided to allow us to have our little intramural game, if you will, and decided to sit this one out. So we will join him again next week. However, Buzz and I are very interested in talking more with our special guests, and we will turn it over to Rebecca Yardley to give her opening statement. Well, good evening. My name is Rebecca Yardley, and I want to be your next state party chairman. You know, I've been a grassroots activist in our state for over 30 years. I've had the honor and the privilege to serve as a precinct chairman, as a county chairman, as a chairman of the 9th District Republican Party, and as a member of our state committee. And I believe now more than ever, it's time we have the leadership at the top of our state party that mirrors the drive, determination, and expectation that we've come to expect from you, our delegates and alternates who will be attending the convention in Columbus in June. You know, these are tumultuous times that we're in as a nation and as a country, as we see the weaponization of our criminal justice system for political gain. It's never been more apparent to me that the Republican Party here in Georgia is under attack and we have got to make sure that we are effective in 2024 to put 16 electoral college votes in the hands of a Republican nominee so that we can send our Republican candidate to Washington DC and we can send Joe Biden and the failed policies of the Democratic Party back to Delaware where they belong. I would be honored as we go through this evening to earn your support. As I talk to you about our base strategy, which brings together our party by bridging the gap, focusing on accountable finances, supporting our local parties by making sure they have the resources and tools they need to be successful in 2024, and by engaging and educating our populist base. I believe that if we're doing these things together in 2024 in November, we'll ensure that we are bringing home a Republican nominee, securing the state of Georgia as a Republican stronghold yet again. My name is Rebecca Yardley, and I look forward to our conversations this evening as I have the opportunity to earn your vote to be the next state party chairman. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Josh McCoo. Well, good evening, and thank you to Peach Pundit for giving us this opportunity uh, to talk about this very important race. Uh, my name is Josh McCoon. I am uh, seeking the Office of State Chairman, this volunteer opportunity. Um, you know, I think it's important to talk about why, uh, why uh, we want to be the chairman of the State Republican Party. Um, I talk to my dad just about every day. He's a lawyer, too. And 
I told him after Jacqueline and I discussed this that I had decided I was going to seek this uh, opportunity. And there was a long pause on the other end of the phone. And he said, well, son, uh, how much does that pay? And I told him uh, nothing. It's a volunteer opportunity. He said, well, you're nuts. Um, but I do have a different explanation for why I'm seeking this office. And it's because elections have consequences. Uh, you know, Alvin Bragg gets elected district attorney in New York City on a promise of putting Donald Trump in prison, uh, not because he is saying he's broken any particular law, but because he wants to put a political opponent behind bars. Uh, Fannie Willis, right here in Georgia, uh, pursuing relentlessly uh, 16 Georgia Republican volunteers who raised their hands and said, we're willing to be presidential electors and on legal advice, cast contingent electoral votes to provide President Donald Trump with a remedy if his legally filed election contest was successful that was pending on December 14th, 2020. These are unprecedented uh, consequences of elections. 230 years of our American Republic, we haven't seen a former president indicted. We haven't seen electors. Uh, prosecuted for participating in the Electoral College. Um, so that's why I'm running, because I think that the Democratic Party has really abandoned. We, we, we don't have the Zell Miller, Sam Nunn Democratic Party anymore. We have one responsible political party in this country. It's the Republican Party. And if we want America to be successful and we want Georgia to be successful, the Republican Party must be successful. And so that's why I'm running for chairman. Uh, I believe that I've got the right experience both as an elected official, a candidate for statewide office, and a party activist uh, to bring the Republican Party together and to make us be successful in November of 2024. Thank you both. It's off to a good start. Both of you finished with plenty of time left. That's great. Usually in these types of things, we're telling people they need to be quiet, but we appreciate you. We're going to start with uh, questions. We're going to let Buzz go first. Each, each member of the debate we'll have two minutes to answer the question the uh, other candidate will have one minute for rebuttal and if we've decided if we want to dive deeper we're not going to stick to the time we just want to make sure that we get the issues actually meted out so uh, we'll use the time as a loose guide but you might hear us go a little bit longer on some issues more than others. We'll try to be fair about who, uh, making sure everybody gets the same amount of time. So, Buzz, you are up yeah. to, with a question for Rebecca. Yeah, and I, really this, I think, will end up being for, for both of you. First of all, thank you both for being here. Uh, thank you both for – I've known both of you for a long time, and I've respected your work in the party and outside the party and other things that you've done in your, uh, in your political career. And thank you for the, taking the time to offer yourselves for this, as, as Josh mentioned, this unpaid volunteer job. Uh, so thanks. And I hope what we do tonight is you know, bring some things uh, to uh, the forefront that delegates will want to consider as they, as they take a look at both of you uh, for this very important position. So my question basically is this. Give us the top three things that you want to do if you become chairman of the Georgia GOP. So, Rebecca, we'll start with you. Um, for me, Buzz, that's easy. I want to unite our party as we go into 2024. We have so many factions within our party right this moment that it's going to take all of us Georgians working together so that we can win and be effective. Um, and so that's got to be business number one. Number two is make sure we're raising the adequate capital that we need financially so that we can be successful. 
And then three is making sure that we are um, using all the tools in our toolkit. So helping our county parties to be effective with their get out the vote messaging, um, engaging and educating our voter base on the electoral process and, and things that may have come about. It means minority outreach within our communities, um, which is something that the Georgia Republican Party has failed to capitalize on up until this point um, because we want to go into communities and say we need their vote and never grace the doorsteps of those communities again until it's election time. And I think that's a failure and an insult to those communities. We've got to reach out to our young people if we want to be successful. Um, and we've got to engage in a robust absentee ballot chase program. Thanks, Rebecca. Josh? So I think absolutely job one is bringing the Republican Party together. Obviously, we've uh, read the news media reports that uh, quite a few of our statewide elected officials aren't going to be attending the convention in Columbus. Uh, those relationships have to be put together. And as someone who's served with a lot of the uh, statewide elected Republicans have uh, relationships, I feel like I'm ready uh, on day one. Uh, to bring everybody to the table, uh, to get us organized, to have a unity event, to show that uh, our activists, our elected officials, um, and our financial supporters are all working in concert to accomplish our goal of winning the election in November. Um, I also think raising money is obviously very important. It's something we're going to have to do right off the bat if we want to be effective in 2024. And making the state party a resource to county parties, uh, both through the standing up of a premier election integrity unit and making training, really good training available for county chairs, precinct chairs, and volunteers, both in person as well as um, in an on-demand basis, because we really live in an on-demand world. Uh, so I think those are the three top things, bringing the party together, raising the money we need to be successful, and establishing the Georgia Republican Party as a resource to our county parties. Great. Thanks. Scott? Yep. Thank you, Buzz. So my question is more just ideological and is not specific to the party. My first question is, in your view, Rebecca, first, what is the greatest threat to our constitutional republic? Well, wait a minute. I took the last question first. Doesn't that mean Josh gets this question first? <laughs> <laughs> we were A, B, A, B all the way. So. No, I'm just picking. No. I'm just picking, guys. <laughs> The greatest threat that I see to our constitutional republic is ideologically for me, making sure that um, we are preserving our constitution. And we have to do that by fighting for its principles and its amendments every single day. When I think about what our founding fathers gave up so that we could have freedom of speech, so that we could have the right to bear arms, these are things that we have got to guard and we have to be protective of. And so for me, it's the guarding of our constitution. Okay, Josh? I would say apathy. Um, we have a lot of people in our body politic that either don't participate um, in the electoral process, or if they do, um, they don't spend very much time engaging uh, with candidates, with political parties. And if you read uh, the founders, I mean, this was not supposed to be a spectator uh, program. You know, this is the expectation is that it's a participatory Republic. You've got to be involved if you want to keep the Republic. Um, and look, part of that 
responsibility falls on the Georgia Republican Party. I mean, we need to have a Georgia Republican Party that is engaging uh, voters, that is providing information um, and is communicating in a way that stimulates a conversation that gets somebody off the couch and want to become involved in what we're doing. Uh, but I would say, bar none, uh, you know, it, to me, it's not a 1984 scenario we're living in. It's more of a brave new world scenario we're living in. We've got to get people off the couch and engaged in what's happening in their community, in their state, in their country. Um, and and that, that responsibility largely falls on the Georgia Republican Party. We've got to do a better job of engaging communities all across Georgia. Would either of you like additional time to rebut? Okay, well, Buzz, your turn. Yeah, so my next question really is, you know, in, in the wake of the 2020 election, there was a lot of talk. We've seen polling that many Republicans feel the election was stolen, and, and sometimes it seems that a lot of Republican activists are focused more on that than they are on what's going to happen, you know, how do we win the next election? Uh, so I guess a two-part question. First, do you agree with my assessment that maybe a activists are too focused on the past? Uh, and then what can you do as chairman to get our, our activists and our volunteers who, who volunteer for our candidates focused on the future so that our candidates can, and encouraging our candidates to articulate a forward-looking vision that, that Georgians can embrace? And I guess, yeah, I guess we're sticking with Yep, you going first, Rebecca. Okay, just making sure. Um, you know, I think that we need to realize that our grassroots activists can chew gum and walk at the same time. They can think about what happened in 2020, and they can think forward to 2024. And my granddaddy used to tell me growing up that you have a rearview mirror in your car for a reason. It's so that you can see where you've been, but you have a windshield so you know where you're going. And, you know, as we focus on 2024, we can't discount what a number of the grassroots here in Georgia have felt as a result of 2020. You know, they have serious concerns that resulted in from that election. Drop boxes, absentee ballot applications that were mailed to every Georgian in the state. Um, mobile voting units that we saw in our metro areas. And while SB 202 and, and further legislation has done a lot of great work to ensure that we have solidified election integrity, you know, one of the things that we've also got to remember is there's always going to be work that has to be done to protect our elections. And so when we talk to our people um, in our grassroots about our upcoming elections, we can't discount how they feel about 2020. What we can do is we can encourage them um, to, to remember what happened in 2020 and to focus on 2024, to focus on our candidates that we have at hand and that we have to be able to get them elected, but we also must continue to work for fair and transparent elections. Josh? Yeah, so I think the first thing that the Georgia Republican Party chairman has to do, um, and, and what I've heard over and over again, is people feel like they're being completely ignored or dismissed. And I think that is causing more discussion around these issues rather than less. So I think the first thing the chairman has to do is acknowledge some of the things that, uh, that Rebecca talked about, um, some of the irregularities that occurred in the 2020 election, um, and some of the things that people still want to see 
uh, addressed by the legislature and or the Secretary of State. And of course, the Georgia Republican Party established an election integrity task force. Uh, that work uh, certainly contributed to the uh, passage of Senate Bill 202, uh, the passage of Senate Bill 222 here in the more recent uh, legislative session. I think that work has to continue. Um, now, as we talk about uh, a focus on 2024, uh, I think we have to do that as well. Uh, we do have to talk about the issues around the 2024 campaign. Um, and we have to, as a Georgia Republican Party, more aggressively try to set the agenda. Um, I think that we kind of lay back sometimes and allow the legacy media to set the table on the issues we discussed and the language we use to discuss those issues. Uh, for example, I think we ought to be having a real serious debate about public safety in this state. Um, when we have district attorneys that have been elected and they announce on day one, there are a whole range of crimes they're gonna refuse to prosecute, particularly when those same district attorneys are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and I don't know how many man hours going after the 16 Republican presidential electors from three years ago. You wanna talk about not being able to move on from 2020, I wish somebody would tell Fannie Willis to move on. So, so those are the kinds of things I think we've gotta do. We've gotta aggressively message on issues that make us successful um, to move ahead to 2024 perfectly timed but i have a follow-up to that josh because you said um and this is not my question for the next round but i do have a follow-up to one of the things that you said in that there are activists who feel like they haven't been listened to and we've seen dozens of lawsuits we've seen investigations we've seen a, a statewide 100 percent hand recount on the 2020 election yet a lot of our activists because i attended and actually served on the resolution committee for the Cherokee County Republican Party's county convention. And the most popular, the most popular resolution was one that I heavily edited to do with election integrity. And everybody that ran for county office here got up and, and gave a, an impassioned speech about the importance of election integrity. And they feel like they haven't been listened to, but their hopes and what they believe are based upon things that the evidence just isn't backing up and supporting. So how do you address them? How do you educate them? Or are, are they right and everybody else is wrong on the fact that the election wasn't stolen, but we lost? So I think the biggest issue to me, and that's something that concerns me greatly as an attorney, um, you know, I took a class in law school on conflict resolution systems. And, you know, why, why, did, why do we have courts? You know, why do we have lawyers? Um, and it's because we want our resolution, our conflicts resolved in a peaceful manner. And so the president um, filed a lawsuit uh, seeking uh, to contest the outcome, the certified outcome of the 2020 election. He made some specific allegations in that lawsuit, allegations about a number of voters that were allowed to cast votes that had moved out of state, a number of voters who, had, who were allowed to cast votes that were deceased, a number of voters who cast votes that had criminal records that would have prohibited them from casting votes in a Georgia election. The Georgia election contest statute says that a Georgia court shall, not may, shall hold a hearing within 20 days of that petition being filed. That never happened. The Fulton County 
Superior Court, bounced that around, waited to assign a judge, and didn't schedule a hearing until January the 8th. And I firmly believe, had we not had that catastrophic failure of our judicial branch of government, we wouldn't be having some of the conversations we're having today. But literally, for those allegations never to have their day in court, never to have the opportunity to present the evidence for, the evidence against, and have it adjudicated, to me, that is, it, that is the genesis of this whole problem. Um, and I have a really difficult time when we talk about the sheer number of absentee ballots cast by mail in 2020 versus 2018 or 2022 and the weakening of the processes to validate the identity of those casting those ballots that we can have confidence in, uh, in, in some of these allegations that were made in the election contest. So I understand why these questions are continually brought up. And I think what we have to do is to responsibly and with courtesy uh, try to address those concerns because we have people that aren't voting. We have people that aren't participating in our process anymore because they have lost confidence in, in the process. And so I think that that's really something that the Georgia Republican Party has to engage head on. We can't simply uh, ignore it or tell people to just move on. Rebecca, uh, we gave Josh a lot of extra time there, so we're going to give you a time to respond to the same question, if you'd like. So, you know, I'm of the mindset that people deserve and want to be heard. As I travel the state and I've listened to our grassroots activists, you know, there are still legitimate concerns. And, and I agree. I don't think that our court systems adjudicated or acted in the correct way to to put that trust and that confidence level there for our voter base here in Georgia. Um, I think that it's easy for people to be dismissive, but we have to remember that people's perceptions are their realities. And so as such, we've got to ensure that we restore that trust and that confidence in our elections here in Georgia. You know, we have people who are asking the simplest of things. Allow our counties to be able to do an audit of the paper ballots to the Dominion machines to reconcile the vote count to restore confidence. And yet we have judges, even here in the 9th District, well, what used to be the 9th District, it's now in the 11th District, in Pickens County, that are telling them we can't let you do that. We don't have that authority. That's not within our purview. Until we can start showing people evidence to the contrary that there wasn't issues in 2020, we're never going to be able to expect them to have a restoration of faith in our election system. And that's going to make it equally difficult for us in 2024 to get them out to the polls and to vote. And we're going to need them if we want to have a chance of maintaining Georgia and keeping Georgia red. And I know that there's lots of people who will say that Georgia is blue, but in my heart of hearts as a generation Georgian, I don't believe that. I believe that we're a red state. I believe that during the last election cycle, we had Republicans who were tired of the process, who've lost faith, who've lost confidence, and as such, just decided that they couldn't tell you that their vote was going to count, and so they were going to stay home. It's going to be imperative, whoever the next state party chairman is, that the tall order ahead of them is to restore that confidence and that trust. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, and I will actually bounce back and I'm going to start giving my questions to Josh first and let Buzz give questions to Rebecca. Um, so it is a little back and forth. Uh, my, my question is, Josh, 
populism has swept through the Republican Party nationwide, with many GOP activists confusing populism for ideological conservatism. This has led to many populists in the party to label conservatives as rhinos, or Republican in name only. As the leader of the state party, how would you reconcile these two factions? So I think what's important is for the chairman of the Georgia Republican Party to be relentlessly positive in talking about what Republicans are accomplishing in Georgia courthouses across the state at the local level, at the General Assembly, and in Washington, D.C. Um, yes, we have lots of factions. I mean, that's, that's the way the American political system is built. We don't have dozens of small political parties. We have two really big ones um, that play host to a lot of other interest groups. And it's important to realize that, and, and we talk about this a lot uh, going around uh, the campaign trail, the Democratic Party that has been in charge of the federal government, the entire federal government for the first two years of the Biden administration, and, uh, the executive branch and the Senate these additional two years, um, it's not the Sam Nunn, Zell Miller Democratic Party. It's not a Democratic Party that is willing to say that America is a force for good in the world. It's not a Democratic Party that can nominate a Supreme Court justice who can answer the question, what is a woman? Um, you know, this is, this is a party that wants to take our country in a radically different direction. Republicans agree on a lot of things. We agree on the protections of the Bill of Rights. We agree on the idea of lower regulation, lower taxes. Uh, we believe in the ideal of preserving innocent human life uh, from uh, conception to, to natural death. There are so many things that bind us together. And so I think it's really, really important for the state chairman to keep the focus on that 80% of things that bring us together and not stay focused on the things that drive a wedge between our various coalition partners. That, that's how we succeed in 2024. Rebecca? So, you know, we have this conversation a lot as we travel, Josh and I. Um, it's a recurring theme that comes up. How do we bring everybody to the table, as my grandmother would say? And, you know, for me, it's that remembrance that an 80% friend is not your 20% enemy. We're not always going to agree. And I tell people all the time, Chris Yardley, my sweet husband, and I do not agree on everything. And that's okay. You know, I think that is what makes our political system and our political party that much more interesting is that we have a melting pot of ideas that we bring to the table. It would be so boring if we all thought the same way all the same time. But what we've got to remember is that the end result of what we are trying to accomplish is not the defeat of Republicans. The end result of what we are attempting to accomplish is the defeat of Democrats. And Republicans have to quit fighting themselves on every opportunity at every level that they have. We have to ensure that we're, our focus is on the thing that's important. And that's making sure our message is concise about why we're the better party and how it is that we turn out 
our voters in these underpopulated Republic, non-Republican counties like Fulton County that typically votes 70% Democrat, how do we go in there and turn out the largest majority of Republicans or middle-of-the-road Republicans that we can to our point of view? That's got to be the focus of the next state party, Chairman, and we do that by coming together and realizing it's not an all-or-one or all-or-none ideology. Thank you. Would either of you like a one-minute rebuttal? There is one thing I'd like to add. Um, I had a conversation with a gentleman a couple of weeks ago who had a lot of negative things to say about a Georgia Republican elected official. And when he got finished, I said, look, what is the main job that the state party is going to have next year? So we we got to beat Joe Biden. we got to beat Joe Biden. So, okay, well... Talking about that going to help us beat Joe Biden. We said, well, no, but I'm mad about it. And I said, well, I understand that. But we've got to make our focus. We've got to be laser focused on getting our nominee, whoever that is, across the finish line. And so I think that conversation has to be replicated over and over again to say, look, you're not really as mad with this guy over here that's in the Republican tent as you are with the people that are running the country into the ground. Rebecca? Well, I think Josh is right on that. And there there are so many things that he and I do agree on, and that's one of them, is that, you know, our message as the Republican Party has to be we in the Republican Party are not each other's enemy. The enemy is on the other side. They're the ones who are working hard to discount our elected officials and to change the narrative about what it should be that we as Republicans are focused on or talking about. And we've got to do a better job as the Republican Party of harnessing our ability to communicate that narrative and our ability to focus our energies on making sure that we win. When we do that, we'll be successful in 2024 and beyond. Thank you. Buzz? Yeah. Um, what ask you both a question that's that, that bothers me and I want to want to see what you if you guys think it's a problem or not and um, you know we, we've got a state party rule 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 7.6 that forbids uh, party officers and describes who all those all those folks are from endorse making endorsements in GOP primaries and we've seen it seems to me it's growing more people while not technically violating that rule sure seem to be violating the spirit of that rule and I think what I'm thinking about is lots of party officials at various levels uh, rallying behind David Perdue against Brian Kemp because they were angry with how Governor Kemp uh, handled the uh, follow-up to the 2020 election I I personally think that's something that's helped drive a wedge between the party and the governor and I think y'all both know whoever, whichever of you wins, you're going to need Governor Kemp's help to raise money, to rally the troops, all those sorts of things. So maybe a two-part question. What, you know, what do we do about party officials who playing around in primaries, maybe not in technical violation of that rule, but in the spirit of it, if you think that's a problem or maybe my perception is wrong? And then how do you go about repairing that relationship with Governor Brian Kemp? Well, so Rebecca will, yeah, we're, we're, since I'm starting with you, so. <laughs> well, look, 
I have always been of the belief, and, and maybe this is just how I, I am, but the rules are the rules, and we can't claim to be the party that believes in the rule of law if we're not willing to follow our own Republican Party rules. And so what that means is that as your next state party chairman, if I'm elected, I will not involve myself in the contested primaries of the Georgia Republican Party. Our primaries are designed so that our voters have the opportunity to use that platform as their voice as to who they want to represent represent them. And it's not my job as the chairman of the Georgia Republican Party to interject myself in that so that I am influencing them one way or the other. What it would be my job if I'm elected as state party chairman is to ensure that once we have our nominee, that I am using every available resource that the Georgia Republican Party has at our disposal and in our arsenal to ensure that that candidate is brought across the threshold to victory in 2024. Now, as to your question, Buzz, about how do we repair those relationships, that's going to take whoever the next state party chairman is sitting down with our elected officials on day one and explaining that how things have been done previously, we have no control over. But how we intend to move forward is in a very positive light, adhering to the rules of the Georgia Republican Party and allowing our voters to be the ones to have their say in who they get to elect as their Republican nominee in the primary process. Josh? So, you know, I, I think that obviously uh, state party officers ought to stay out of primaries. And I have made it very clear that if I'm elected the chairman, um, I'm not going to get involved in party primaries. Uh, if we have candidates for president coming to Georgia. I do want to promote those candidates. I want to make sure that our voters and activists get an opportunity to see those candidates and get excited about what I believe is a strength of the Republican Party, that we've got a diversity of opinions, uh, diversity of views, diversity of backgrounds uh, in this race for president that's beginning to come together. Um, but again, stay neutral until you get to the uh, nominee, at which point we focus very uh, relentlessly on getting that person elected, whoever that person is. Um, in terms of uh, the relationship with Governor Kemp, um, I have a relationship with Governor Kemp going back 17 years. Uh, I found him to be a very fair-minded person. Uh, I think that if the new leadership of the Georgia Republican Party uh, reaches out to the governor, reaches out to other uh, Georgia Republican elected officials who have felt alienated from the state party, that we can bring everybody back to the table. Um, and that's something I intend to do right away as soon as we are complete with the convention on June the 10th. Thanks. I'm going to skip down. You've answered some of the questions already in some of your other answers. So I'm going to skip down a little bit um, and I'm going to pick up on a, something that is of concern to me. And that is uh, seeing parties pass resolutions censuring elected Republicans. For example, Cobb County passed a resolution censuring Brian Kemp for not calling for a special session. And, uh, the the activists within that county party structure today are still uh, active in going on national or syndicated radio shows um, talking about how Brian Kemp really dropped the ball there. As chairman of the party, would you allow that to continue or 
would you discourage it in some way? Josh. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, so I think, um, first of all, uh, you know, I believe that, uh, you know, county and district parties, they have a resolutions process. They can, you know, pursue that the way they see fit. Uh, do I think it is, you know, would I be somebody saying, hey, we need to go out and censure elected officials? Um, I can tell you as a state senator, uh, when Governor Deal vetoed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act legislation, something I spent a lot of time and effort trying to get through the legislative process. When my home congressional district wanted to censure Governor Deal, I spoke against it and I voted against it uh, because I did not think it would advance the idea and I did not think it would advance the cause of the Georgia Republican Party. Um, but I did that as a delegate, obviously working through that process. I do think that the state chairman needs to lead by example. And I've talked throughout this campaign about being relentlessly positive about what Georgia Republicans are doing at the local, state, and federal level. And so, and, and I believe leading by example will inspire others to follow suit. Uh, when I was in the state Senate, we didn't have our meetings uh, streamed like the forward-thinking Georgia House already had done uh, by the time I was there. Um, so I started streaming those meetings on my own smartphone. And it didn't take too long that people were inspired to take some action and make the same availability of Senate committee hearings that you have in the House. The same principle applies here. I think leadership start, starts at the top. And I think if you make it clear, hey, guys, we're not saying it's just all happy talk and mindless cheerleading, but we are going to celebrate our successes. And we are going to talk about the reasons people should be with us. That's where our focus needs to be. And I think if the chairman exercises that leadership, others will follow suit. Rebecca? So I think we all can agree that resolutions don't carry the weight of law. I don't know that some of our delegates feel as passionately about that as some of the rest of us do. Um, but it is an opportunity through the resolutions process for counties and districts to be able to express their feelings as a majority to bring to us at the state convention for us to look at. You know, one of the things that for me I look at is that I wouldn't I can't sit here and talk to you about bridging the gap and, and building unity within our party if I'm willing to not remember what Reagan's 11th commandment is, and that is not speaking ill of a fellow Republican. And while I don't always agree with things that our elected officials do, I think that there's more appropriate ways for us to address those issues with them so that we can have the discussions with them to move our party forward. You know, as a parent, I'm reminded, you know, when we are having conversations with our children and if we're yelling at them, the one thing they do is they turn us out. You know, they tune us out. They don't want to have to listen to us. But if we're having those conversations with them with respect, then we garner their respect as well. And I think that's what we've got to start doing in the Georgia Republican Party. We've got to have leadership that, as Josh said, is willing to lead by example. We're willing to show our delegates and our alternates how we work with our elected officials to express our concerns over things or even our appreciation for the things that they do well. Because I think that's one of the things that we fail to do within the Georgia Republican Party. We're quick to point out the things that are done wrong with our elected officials but we seldom point out when they do the things that are right, the things that benefit our state and our citizenry. And we've got to be able to harness the messaging on both of those. 
Thank you. Buzz. Yeah. Um, at the convention, there's going to be, what, roughly 1,500 delegates or so. You know, I know many of these folks, all good folks, and that I share many, many goals and values with. But at, having been a longtime activist, I also know uh, the views that we all hold as delegates don't always uh, represent the views of the millions of people who, in our state who vote, uh, vote Republican. So a question, as, as chairman, how would you, um, starting with you, Rebecca, how would you try to bridge that gap? It, obviously, these are the folks who, who will elect you and who will uh, re-elect you if, you if you win, but also broadening the appeal, br reaching out to all those, uh, those millions of folks who show up at the polls to vote for our Republican candidates and feel like that the party also represents their concerns and their values not just the values of, of the delegates? So I, I love that question. One, because I wish that we were only going to have 1,500. We've got like 2,400 potential delegates oh, and 1,300 awesome. potential alternates. That's great. It's one of the largest <laughs> conventions I think we've had the capacity to have. Um, but one of the things I, I want to address with that, Buzz, is, you know, when we are talking about um, – the differentiation between people like you and I who are politically engaged all day, every day. My husband calls me a political nerd, and that's okay. Um, you know, when we talk about those type of people, we also have to realize that look at the numbers of people who turn out in the primaries. One and a half million people who turn out in a primary on an average basis. And these are not the people who are in our echo chambers of our Republican Party meetings or our women's groups or our young Republicans or college Republicans groups. But yet there's still people who vote with our conservative principles and our conservative ideology. And we can't not take into account the ways in which we reach them and then we have them involved in our party. I think whoever the next state party chairman is, is going to have to not only listen to what our local counties and our local delegates want, but they're also going to have to be able and be willing to step outside the circle of our echo chamber, if you will, to interact with everyday Georgians, people who get up and go to work just like you and I, to hear the things that are important. I think, Buzz, that when we do that, we realize there are a lot of the similarities in the, what we all feel is important. Jobs, education, safety, economy, these are all things that are important to us, and we've got to take the opportunity to make the messaging unique to the Republican Party so that we can reach people outside of our tent. Great. Josh, before you answer, I, I think... Uh, if the delegates had, had had voted for Secretary of State, you probably Secretary of State now, and, and not uh, no no disrespect. Uh, so, but you get what I mean. We you, know, you and I maybe a little more well known. I, I'll, I'll say among party activists when we ran for Secretary of State than uh, than the other candidates. But how would you uh, deal with this issue, Josh? There's there's no doubt it is a lot less expensive to get well known among the fifteen hundred so uh, delegates, um, but uh, but you raise a great point and and I think I think it really goes back though to the question Scott asked earlier, which is reminding people of the things that unite us as Republicans, and I think you know the Georgia Republican Party ought to be a communications machine. If we are doing it correctly, it ought to be every day sending out a message about why you should be a Republican in the state of Georgia. And if we're doing that right, there's going to be a nexus 
between the people that care to participate in our convention process and the person that pulls a Republican primary ballot uh, in March or May of next year. Uh, so it is about um, two things, really. Number one, identifying those issues around which there are broad agreement and then finding engaging ways to illustrate those ideas. Uh, you know, I have a friend of mine, a lifelong friend, uh, who's never been engaged in politics, wouldn't consider himself a Democrat or Republican. He sends me a text message every day about the transgender issue involving minors. He has a 12-year-old daughter, and he was asleep, and now he is awake. Mm -hmm. And it's not about, for him, it's not about Donald Trump or Joe Biden. It's about who's going to address this issue. I am very concerned about what my daughter may or may not be receiving in her school. I want to know who's going to solve that problem. And is the Georgia Republican Party going to exercise some leadership there, fill the vacuum, uh, and, and establish the narrative that needs to be set? Um, those are the things we do to bring the to close that gap between activists and our primary voters. Thanks. Okay, so this is my last question before we'll move on. There has been a proposed rule change that has gathered, garnered a ton of media attention, and we've talked about it here on the Peach Point of Podcast and written about it on the blog, that some are pushing at this convention that would give delegates the authority to vote to prohibit people from running under the Republican banner. This proposed rule would also include prohibiting incumbent Republicans from running for re-election as Republicans. Where do you stand on this rule? Would you vote for it or not? Josh. Yeah. So uh, I would not uh, vote for that rule. Um, and I'll give you a couple reasons why. Uh, the first one is a legal one. Uh, so it is questionable as to whether or not such a rule would be legally enforceable. So let's talk about what that would look like in, this, in the terms of the two-year term of being state chairman. This rule becomes adopted, it's enforced, someone is barred from running as a Republican. Now they sue the Georgia Republican Party, probably in federal court. The Georgia Republican Party now, presumably, will feel compelled to defend that rule, and so we will now have to start spending money on lawyers to defend that legal position. Um, I think that it is, I'll describe it as a low likelihood that you would succeed in that litigation, which would be extremely expensive. When I say extremely expensive, I would say at least half a million dollars, maybe more. I don't want to spend that money in 2023 and 2024 fighting a battle in court that splits the Republican Party when I could be spending that money reminding everyone of the things that bring Republicans to the table together. Um, and the other thing I'll mention is it's very dangerous to pass a rule assuming a certain group of people is going to be enforcing whatever that rule allows them to do. Imagine a state convention is called ahead of the presidential preference primary and the Ron DeSantis uh, voters are very successful in organizing for that convention and they pass, uh, they vote a motion to bar Donald Trump from the presidential preference primary. These are the sorts of outcomes that can come. It's what 
Uh, I know the former legislators here will understand the law of unintended consequences. Uh, so all of those things are reasons to have a, a lot of skepticism about moving forward with this. Rebecca. So like Josh, I too would not vote in favor of this rule. I think it does have some very, very bad implications that could come upon our state party. And, and I'll just give you a couple. One, um, as somebody who lives in North Georgia, I don't know that I feel like it is abundantly okay for us to have somebody in South Georgia tell me that they feel that my elected official here in North Georgia is effective or not effective to be able to run for office. That person is not represented by the person that they have an issue with. And so, you know, we, we're not listening to a whole constituent base when we have only our convention body who has the final say on who can and cannot qualify. I think it also goes to the question Buzz just asked about, you know, our regular Republicans versus our convention attendees. You know, we strip away from that million and a half people who turn out in our primaries the ability to have a say in who it is that they want to represent them if we enact some sort of rule of this magnitude. And then finally, I'm always reminded that no one person owns Republicanism. And what this does is it creates a litmus test for our party. And much like Josh just said, who upholds that litmus test? Who decides who is worthy of being a candidate versus not worthy of being a candidate? And it all depends on who turns out their candidates or their delegates rather to the convention process to have the say. I think the unintended consequences here could be detrimental to our party, and it doesn't serve the purpose that I, as a state party chairman, want to see accomplished, which is a uniting of our Republican Party and its principles. Thank you both. That concludes our questions. Now we will move on to the candidate's choice, and we will allow each candidate to address the, our audience by bringing up a topic that they're concerned with and then we'll allow the other candidate to respond and then we'll move to the other candidate to allow them the same opportunity to bring up a topic of their choosing. So uh, at the beginning we chose A and B and Rebecca you will go first. So during the 2022 runoff election here in Georgia for U.S. Senate, I, along with another district chairman, partnered um, to be able to run a robust absentee ballot chase program to further our get-out-the-vote efforts. And the reason we did this was because when we reached out to Georgia Victory through the state party, um, they told us that they didn't have the resources to do something that they deemed to be ineffective. Um, through the course of running that absentee ballot chase program, we identified that there were about 75, I'm sorry, 73 absentee, 73,000 absentee ballots in the field that modeled Republican. And so we chased those 73,000 absentee ballots statewide and got all but approximately 1,600 of them back for a 97.7% rate of return. Um, and this is work that I'm extremely proud of because I think it highlights and showcases my ability to be innovative and think outside the box to do what we need to do to make sure we're turning out the vote in all of our areas in our state. And so Josh, my question to you would be, it's a three-part question, sorry. Question, the first part is, what did you do in the runoff election of 2022 to help us turn out Republican voters here in the state? Um, how did you measure your success in that? And how effective do you think that you were? All right. Um, so I basically did the things that I've done 
previous to my uh, involvement as an elected official. Uh, I generally get people in my community uh, asking about uh, who to vote for. I remind people uh, about voting early. Um, that is something I definitely think we need to do more of, encouraging people to vote in person early. Um, and so I did quite a bit of that uh, in the 2022 uh, runoff election. Of course, I wasn't holding any kind of uh, formal party title or office. Um, I will say in both uh, the 2020 and the 2022 election, I helped uh, design a process to try to get better voter rolls uh, by allowing our citizen activists to challenge uh, folks that shouldn't be on the uh, voter lists in their county, people that have moved, people who have passed away, uh, people who have criminal records that disqualify them for running for office, or excuse me, for voting. Um, so all of those things I think are important uh, and things that I continue to do in 2020 and 2022. Uh, obviously, I agree that absentee ballot chase is one of several uh, tools that need to be aggressively pursued uh, as we look ahead to the 2024 election. Uh, I think that it's also going to be critically important that we emphasize the idea of making a plan to vote early, uh, to vote in person, so that we don't put quite so much stress on our get out the vote effort uh, on election day. It would be great to be able to say 70, 80 percent of our Republican based vote was already banked uh, before we get in that final 96 hour crush uh, to get people to the polls on election day. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'd have to say. Rebecca, you have one minute. Well, I think that, you know, one of the things that we've got to ensure that the Georgia Republican Party doing is not ever telling any member of our um, leadership team, whether it's on the county level or district level, when they call and they ask for assistance, that they think that something is ineffective. Because we know that of 159 counties here in Georgia, every county is unique and what every county needs is not going to be the same. And so we've got to have a state party chairman who's willing to listen to the needs of our counties and go to work with them to devise a plan to help make sure that we're getting out the vote and, and making sure that we are maximizing our voter turnout in each of our communities. You know, Josh and I both have said on the campaign trail that if we would have had five more voters in each of our precincts who've turned out, the elections of the last couple of years would have been drastically different. And so we've got to ensure that each of our counties have the resources they need. And it can't be by having anybody at our state party chairman ever tell our leadership that something is ineffective. If they think that it'll work in their community, we've got to be willing and open to it. Thank you. All right. This is the portion where Josh gets to do the same thing. This is his choice of topic. Three minutes. Okay. So this is really a proposal. Um, one of the things that uh, I know I've heard about, I think Rebecca has too, as we've traveled around, is how do we get young people uh, more engaged uh, in the Republican Party? Um, and I've specifically been asked about even at the high school level, people saying I'm having difficulty uh, getting into the high schools, establishing some kind of club where uh, folks that might want to talk about Republican politics have the opportunity to do that. And so something I've been working on uh, during the course of this campaign is a civics and constitutional scholarship program. Uh, the idea behind this is to take, uh, in a combination of different ways, measuring mastery 
of the subjects of civics, uh, as well as knowledge of our Constitution, and give high school-age students an opportunity to demonstrate mastery of those subjects through extemporaneous speaking, essay writing, uh, debate uh, forums, and modeled somewhat on the uh, STAR student process that starts local, feeding up to a regional basis where we would have a winner in each one of our congressional districts that could be recognized at the uh, congressional district convention in the convention cycle and then at a separate event in that fourth year, and then feeding up to a state winner at the Republican convention. We would raise money uh, to fund scholarships for this program. It gives people a reason to participate beyond just the power of uh, acquiring that knowledge. Uh, but I think this does a couple of different things for us. It gets people talking about civics in the Constitution. Um, it gives us an entree into uh, our schools uh, throughout the state. Um, and at the end of the process, these people that we get recognized that, it, that are very excellent in being able to articulate their knowledge in civics in the Constitution are great candidates to be ambassadors for the Georgia Republican Party and to talk to their peers in high school and later in college about the importance of uh, being able to participate uh, and be actively involved in the Georgia Republican Party. So I just feel like a, a program of this type could really do a lot uh, to get our young people engaged and interested at that point in their lives where they're just beginning to form their political consciousness ahead of going to college where they may be confronted uh, with a slightly different uh, ideology. So I just wanted to share that and, and happy for, for Rebecca to respond however she would like to that. Well, you know, very good. Rebecca, two minutes. You know, Josh, I think that's an excellent idea. And it's one of the things my own home county has been doing that for the last two years here in White County. Um, we just recently gave away two scholarships to high school seniors. One was for $1,500. The other was for 750 And they did just exactly what you said. They wrote an essay about what the Constitution and being an American means to them. Likewise, I just watched last Monday, or this past Monday evening, rather, as Fanning County did the the exact same thing. Um, and so I think that your your proposal would be well received, not only in the North Georgia area that I get to call home, but uh, across the state as we look for ways to engage our young people in the political process. Um, I think we also have to look at some other avenues as well. You know, things like a podcast designed just for young people, much like you and I are sitting here doing today, but giving them the opportunity to talk about the things that are important to them and why it is that they stand for what they do politically. Um, offering them the ability to take control of our Instagram and our Twitter handle as the Georgia Republican Party for the day so that their organization can highlight the things in their community that their young people are doing. You know, there is a narrative within the media that we have lost this age demographic, and that narrative just is not true. This age demographic is ours, and it's right for the picking. We just have to make sure that they have the tools to be successful, and I think what you're proposing is right on track. Josh, one minute. Sure. Well, I, I appreciate that response. I know we're, we share uh, a concern about this area. Um, and I, I guess I would just close this section by talking about how impressed I have been uh, traveling around the state, um, even here recently hearing from a uh, recent, I guess, uh, second generation American 
uh, whose family came from Mexico, served in the U.S. Army, um, and is experiencing the American dream and is so passionate uh, about the Georgia Republican Party, uh, not registered to vote in Georgia yet, but doing things with the with the local party and being active and engaged. And I just think, uh, to, to the point Rebecca made about podcasts, being able to tell these stories and show that there are a lot of people from all walks of life uh, who share these values, who share these principles, um, that's really, really key uh, as we move forward. We've reached the portion for closing statements. And because Rebecca did go first, we'll let Josh go first. He'll have four minutes for his closing statement. All right. Uh, so again, my name is Josh McCoon. I'm running for Georgia Republican Party chairman. If you are a delegate or alternate to the convention, please get there before 10 a.m. on Saturday, June the 10th, uh, so that you can register and participate. And I would very much appreciate your vote and support. I want to thank Buzz and Scott and Peach Pundit for the opportunity to have this exchange today. I want to thank Rebecca and Dennis uh, for offering themselves for this volunteer opportunity. We've been competitors. Uh, in this process, but not adversaries, uh, not not really even, I would say, opponents. And on June the 10th, when this process is over with, we're going to be teammates. We're going to be working together because what faces us over the next, teen, next 18 months is so important, and that is the election of a Republican president, the eviction of Joe Biden from the White House, putting the adults back in charge of America. As I said at the beginning of our discussion today, Elections have consequences, and we have the opportunity uh, to put America back on the right track. If Georgia goes Republican, the likelihood is we'll have a Republican president. But if Georgia goes for the Democrat, it is very difficult to see a scenario where we get a Republican president. So we've got to do the job here in Georgia if we're going to move ahead. And I think we do that by coming together as Republicans, by raising the financial resources we need to be successful. I've had a lot of experience raising political money. I tell people uh, it's like asking your children to eat their vegetables. Nobody likes to do it. It's not fun, uh, but it is something that must be done. Um, and so I'm prepared to do that. Uh, I think it's really important that we stand up excellent training in an election integrity unit. That is something we've got to do. And we've got to improve the quality and quantity of our communication. I love the fact that we're doing this podcast today uh, because this is the sort of thing we've got to do more of because we've got to reach people that aren't going to a Saturday morning breakfast or a Tuesday night meeting. We've got to reach people. You know, politics is about addition. So we've got to reach people that don't even know they're Republicans. But if we have the engagement and we explain what the two parties stand for, they're going to want to come join us. They just need to be asked. And so uh, I feel like this is the right time uh, for a lawyer who's practiced election law, for someone who's had the vantage point of a statewide uh, candidate for Republican uh, state office, uh, been an elected official in the General Assembly, but also been a county party chairman, a precinct chairman that can see those different viewpoints to bring our disparate pieces together for the very important mission that awaits us next November. So I'll just close by saying again, my name is Josh McCoon. I want this volunteer opportunity. I want to be the chairman of the Georgia Republican Party. If you are going to be a delegate or alternate in Columbus, I hope you will vote for me. And if you want to know more about my candidacy, if we have not given you all the information you need in the, in the past hour, you can find out more at McCoonforchairman.com. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Josh. Rebecca, four minutes. Well, I too want to start by saying thank you, Buzz, and thank you, Scott, for hosting this and for Peach Pundit allowing us to hijack their podcast, if they will, this evening so that we can talk to the delegates and the alternates about why each of us desires to be the next chairman of the Georgia Republican Party. When I started um, this journey back in January, I started because members from across our state who were involved in our party at the local and the district levels reached out to me and said, now is the time for us to have a leader who understands how our grassroots work, a leader who will listen, and a leader who has a proven track record of being successful. That, what, well, ladies and gentlemen, is why I jumped into this race. It isn't because I didn't have anything better to do. I could have easily been the empty nester that my husband and I are now with our daughters being married and in college. But rather, I've been involved in our party for 30 years, and I recognize the pivotal time that our state is entering into this next election cycle. Georgia is changing, and we can no longer expect that Georgia voters are going to come to us. We are going to have to go to where those Georgia voters are. It's why I believe that our base strategy, which we implemented in the 9th District and have been very successful at, is going to work across the 159 counties that make up our state. I believe that by bridging the gap and bringing unity to our party, ensuring that we have accountable finances, supplying our counties with the tools they need to be successful, and making sure that they have the training that they need to not only grow their party memberships, but also to turn out the vote and to fundraise so that they can do some of the wonderful things that we've discussed on this very podcast tonight. By making sure we're engaging and educating our voter base with active communication, robust absentee ballot chase program, engaging our youth, and reaching out to our minority communities, I believe that the Georgia Republican Party is prime for not only winning in November 2024, but in the future as well. And after all, as we've said once here this evening, the goal of the Georgia Republican Party in this next election cycle is to make sure we're putting 16 electoral college votes in the hands of a Republican nominee so that we can send Joe Biden and his failed Democratic policies back to Delaware and the retirement home where he belongs. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that is why I'm asking for your support to be the next chairman of the Georgia Republican Party. It is not lost on me that you have a vote when you were in Columbus. And one of the things that I learned early on from my granddaddy by being involved in politics is if you want the vote, you have to ask for it. And so that's why I'm asking you to consider putting your faith and your trust in a tried, tested, and true grassroots activist and leader to be your next state party chairman by voting for me, Rebecca Yardley, on June 10th at the state convention in Columbus. You can find out more information about my campaign by going to RebeccaForGA.com. Thanks. Well, thank you both for being here. Uh, we really enjoyed the conversation. I know I did. The, the party is not without challenges, and we highlighted that tonight, and it's refreshing and and. Uh, inspiring to hear two visions of how to handle those problems. We hit those head on tonight. And so thank you both for not shying away from the challenges because the, the party does, from my perspective, seem like it's more of a mess today than it ever has been. And to hear two 
people come and offer themselves up for that job and know why and to express that is is great. Thank you so much to both of you for being here. You're here. We do have a third candidate who is in this race, as Mr. Dennis Futch. Um, we did offer Dennis to come on. He declined to participate in the podcast. I did offer him the opportunity for me to read a statement from him, uh, and I will do that now with the understanding that these are not my words. These are words that he wrote and asked for us to read. And so we don't have the opportunity to dive into his experience or anything like that, but here is the statement. Dennis Futch is a son of South Georgia who is seeking your support for his candidacy for the Georgia GOP chairman. Dennis is the Colquitt County Republican Party chair, a former state committee member, and prominent member of the 8th District GOP, where he is known as the powerhouse of fundraising. Dennis married his high school sweetheart, Angela, and they have two remarkable children who help run the tax shop in Moultrie, Georgia. Dennis Futch is a nonstop is I'm sorry. Dennis Futch is a non-status quo, business-minded, and precise leader who is determined to secure victory in 2024 with his 53-county plan and modified five-star program. Dennis Futch is well-connected and respected Republican who is the wherewithal to lead our state's party and usher in a generation of Republicans by improving the communications department, creating engaging digital content, and making a more accessible state's party. Mr. Futch has a powerful plan and big expectations for his first 90 days, and it starts with an in-house audit to provide stakeholders the security of transparency within the new administration. Then, it wants we have a financial plan. He wants to expand the Georgia GOP staff beyond the two employees to include a fundraising director, a communications director, a political director, and accessible districts and counties liaison officer. And if that's not enough, if elected as Georgia GOP chairman, Dennis vows to have those hard conversations, the necessary conversations, to discuss where the party stands and how we can come together and work together as Republicans. To learn more about Dennis Futch and his plan for the Georgia GOP, please visit his website at dennisfutchforgagop.com and follow him on Facebook at Elect Dennis Futch, GA GOP Chairman. With that, I will again thank you both, Rebecca and Josh, for being here. We also need to give a shout out to our Patreons. We'll start with Bill Workheiser. Shannon Ferguson, Stuart Wilkinson, Ari Schaefer, Ron Daniels, Mike Buchert, Andrew Smith, our anonymous contributor, Andy Allen, Bo Brannon, Ryan Graham, Hunter Burnett, John Vestal, Reed Powell, Benjamin Hurst, Sam Thomas. And we must give a special mention to our partners at Lesix Media. Lesix is L-E-S-I-X media you can see them at lesixmedia.com they are the folks who can help you win a campaign if you're deciding to run for office and beat a democrat and i've used them they were my consultants in the past and i cannot highly recommend them enough so thank you for that partnership level with lesix media this has been the peach pundit podcast a very special edition hopefully you've enjoyed it give us some feedback on the socials let us know how we're doing like subscribe and tell a friend we appreciate you, and we'll see you in Columbus in June.